What is up, guys? I'm your co-host, AJ Heyer. And I'm your co-host, Cole Hughes. And you are listening to the debut episode of Planetary Overload. I'm excited. I'm so excited, guys. This is a great topic. Um, And not only is it a great topic, but a great interview with an actual RPG designer and who's pretty well known in the community. So, Of course. I, I know you were definitely starstruck. I unfortunately <laughs> did not know too much about this, but now I do, and it's amazing. Well, before we start kind of droning on about the interview, which we can do all of that later, we need to introduce the episode. Well, before we even can do that, though, we have to introduce the podcast. Yes. This is Planetary Overload. We are a bi-weekly podcast uh, wherever you get podcasts, if you're listening to Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I think iHeartRadio is now a part of it, too. We're, yes. We're working on that. And uh, Google Play, stuff like that. All of your good podcast players. Uh, this is a hobbyist podcast trying to explore a new hobby each episode to get you, our audience, into it. And, for example, today's episode is going to be exploring tabletop RPGs, what they are, how they're different from other games, and inviting you at home to test them out yourself. You get to explore what an RPG is and how it's different from miniature games or other board games. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we, we definitely got a little bit of that when we were kind of exploring, thinking that some of, some of the things that they were talking about only pertained to <laughs> uh, miniature games, which we'll kind of get to in a little bit. I think that can be its own episode in the future, too. Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, but let's... Uh, I, I kind of put down the Oxford English Dictionary of Definition of a Role-Playing Game, abbreviated RPG, a game in which players take on the roles of imaginary characters, usually in a setting created by a referee, and thereby vicariously experience the imagined adventures of their characters. Referee, that's such a yeah, that's sports-like so, term. That's, I mean, it, it helps kind of like explain it to an audience that may not understand it. You know what I mean? Yes. So I guess that's a good explanation of what a game master is, though. A mm-hmm. referee, someone who's kind of in control and... Creates the story. Creates the story and controls the players and makes sure they do things within the rule system. Yes, and not just start throwing cats everywhere or something. <laughs> uh, funny enough, I've had that happen in one of my <laughs> oh RPGs. My <laughs> but anyways, a tabletop RPG goes a little bit for- further and sets up a formal rule system by using dice generally, but it doesn't have to be dice, and then are able to play within those rule sets at a table. But then again, if, it, if it's not at a table, then you're just LARPing. <laughs> I <think. laughs> well, I, I suppose if you physically act them out, that would be considered LARPing. Yeah, you kind of get into this, uh, oh, LARPing, if you don't know what LARPing is, a live-action role-play is when you literally dress up as a character. It, if you've seen those Civil War reenactments, that is a LARP. That would be considered a LARP, Th- That yes. is a LARP. In most RPGs, you'll be playing what is known as a campaign, which is just a story set, or one-shots, which is just a, a one-shot is what you can sit down and do in one sitting. Campaigns, you do multiple sessions, uh, sessions and then you explore the story over time. And you generally play with a group of people but i've actually seen it where you can do one shots one one on one like really yeah i i guess it would be almost like a, an episode with with just one person right right with one person focusing on one character if your character needs to grow a bit more in this one session or one shot yeah they can be 
in the one shots of the campaigns, it can be anything that your game master or dungeon master or there's a lot of jargon. There is a yes. lot of jargon, but that is shortened to GM and DM. So just know for the rest of the episode, if we're talking about a DM or a GM, these are the people who are in charge of the game, making the story, making sure the rules are followed. They get to make a story in which the characters or you, the player, will explore. Or there, they, there can even be pre-made stories, which the DM can kind of explore with you and they 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 have all the secrets and you have to figure it out kind of think of the dm and gm as a god in in the you can't your characters can't talk directly to them but they affect everything in the game we will now move on to our kind of fun fact section of our podcasts all the tabletop rpgs run off a system is going to be our first one each different rpg has its own system its own rules um, a lot of the times you'll hear people talk about the dice that you use for each system. Yeah, and then each... So, like, let's say you're playing an RPG that really rolls a lot of D20s. You could say that's a D20 system. I'm sure that's a broader category, but I couldn't find anything online that re- relegated, like, that called it that. Mm-hmm. They all called it, like, the D&D system. The, each RPG title or, like, individual title had its own system but i mean you could probably categorize it farther just by the dice that they're using yeah i think the categorizing by dice is more of a local game store and player and the situation the reason that we're bringing this up is because we did go to our local game store and ask people who were i play a lot of D, but i don't know much about other rpgs um so these guys were avid fans of rpgs they played yes they played i think lord of the rings was one of the ones they were doing yes and, and naruto was also one of the ones so they talked about and then uh we talked about gurps a little bit and then you know all all the stuff in between they talked a lot about warhammer 40k but we need to make the realization that warhammer 40k is a miniature game which means that so the difference between a miniature game and an rpg is miniature games require little miniature things that you can paint and to be there. Well, RPGs have this really interesting concept of the theater of the mind, which is really... Just your imagination, really. <laughs> yeah, it's really just you s- You have to remember where you are. You're imagining the, the landscape. It doesn't have to be like that, but the you idea... You can add your own figurines, but the idea is that they're not necessary. In your head. Yeah, the, the 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 physical part of it isn't necessary. It's just there to help you. So it's essentially very well told storytelling that you get exactly. to be a part of. And that's why you got to find a, a good GM or DM to help you through that story. Which our our guest Steve Jackson kind of explores later on. So yes. Yes, we'll he get does. into that during the interview segment. RPGs kind of have roots in war games. Uh, these are century old. I think they really started off in China. We're talk- talking about like chess, Go, other games that kind of reenact. But I saw I saw online while I was reading some articles. I don't remember which one. If you just add some dice rolling and then say that you're the rook, you're playing an RPG. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so like you say, I want to go to D4. And then the GM would be like, 
okay, roll, see if you make it. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you just stay in place and like move, com- move backwards? <laughs> move backwards. All right. Uh, according, according to an article by Phil Beresford on the website Den of Geek, the exact moment when RPG was born is de- debatable, particularly as the hobby ga- wargaming, which was a big influence on early role players, had been around in some form for, or another for hundreds of years. However, the first instance of what people play today would recognize as a modern RPG came into being the devel- development of the tabletop game Dungeons & Dragons in 1974. And if you're familiar with... I completely forgot the name of it now. What ge- What are you talking about? The show that's pretty much based off of Dungeons & Dragons. Where the kids play Dungeons and Dragons, like it's really popular, and now oh, I Stranger Things. Yes, you, you forgot the you forgot Stranger Things. Uh, okay, so I don't watch it, but I know the premise. So if you're <laughs> familiar with Stranger Things, you'll understand the concept of D and D. Yeah, and that's a good example of like a media uh, using D and D. Yes, and it's usually D and D and not any other type of RPG, even though there are lots. Yeah, um, and the reason that D and D is and will forever be the RPG that people kind of talk about. It's prolific, and it is kind of that eternal thing of the introduction to RPGs because it is so popular. Its rules are complex, but not complex enough that a new person couldn't get into it. Uh, there is it's, Since it's one of the first ones, there's been years. I mean, they're on their fifth edition. Yes. So I think they've. it's almost been 40 years now. 30, it's a a it's little a bit time. over 30 years. A, a of, lot of work goes into each edition, which is why, even though it has been so long, there's only five editions. Which I have brought all my geeky little books with me today. Which They're we'll, incredible. <laughs> which we'll be talking about in our notes section. You can use, can buy extras, battle maps and miniatures, which we were kind of talking about later. Which, or you can make your own, which is incredible. Which is really cool. Like, making your own is... We saw a terrain which was built for 40k, but I mean, you can do the same thing to help your characters kind of get a feel of where they are. It's all about the immersion. That's, that's yes. all, all the physical stuff is it's all to immerse you. It's not necessary, but it helps you kind of get into the mood of like... It's like when you turn the lights off when you watch a horror movie. Right. It's, it's, it's the help, the atmosphere, and the players kind of get into the role playing and get into yes. it. But one of the terrains were like... It was a printer. You know when you take a printer out of the box? It almost looks like an egg carton. Yeah. There's uh, those cardboard egg carton shaped uh, things that are in a printer box. And what this man did, he used that and painted it partially and added some moss, some fake moss and some greenery. And it made it look almost like a mountain range that you could use while you're playing. It was very well done. It was well done. I, I really appreciate because that's that's this what this community does. They're very, they're very. Oh, I just forgot the word. Artistic. Ar- artistic. That's creative. Uh, involved. Passionate. That's what I'm looking very for. Very passionate. They're passionate, and you're gonna find. Uh, I I hope. I haven't experienced this, but I can see that there may be a like a scent of a hint of elitism, but a little bit. Um, I would say a little bit. So that could be kind of a a drawback, but you. There's so many people that you that play this, and you can get your friends. You don't need to go to local game stores, but if you want to go to where people gather for this sort of thing, the local game stores are where you're going to be. Yes. And if you're extremely new and you don't have any good friends that already play, if you don't have friends, if you don't have friends, if you're, <laughs> you, you might want to go to a local game store and just explain to them 
that you are new and what your interests are and they can find a game that's already being played at the store like a group of people that are playing it that they can add you into or they can show you what you might like and i think just what i i learned through all this even though i am an rpg player there's even if even if you just play dungeons and dragons kind of like religiously there's an rpg for everything yes Oh, we saw some figurines for My Little Pony in that store. <laughs> that was an interesting one. They weren't painted, so you can you paint can them paint them whoever. yourself. Yes, if you want to change the color of your favorite pony, I don't. <laughs> there's, but I'm talking like there's Lord of the Rings, there's Naruto, there's Vampire the Masquerade, which is a really cool vampire like gothic horror. Yes, like I. I that it that was explained to me on a different podcast actually. Really? On Cruising the Planet we talked a little about about Right, Vampire uh, the Vampire Masquerade. Masquerade. That one was popular really in the nineties because there was a lot of video game and media. So that's another popular one if you like vampires and stuff. That's neat. <laughs> uh I think they explain that you are the vampire and you can't be discovered or you like yes. you lose all your food or something like that. GURPS, which is a it is a generic so what it stands for is GURPS stands for Generic Universal Role-Playing System, and it was designed by Steve Jackson, our guest. Yes. And it is it is essentially supposed to be a sim- simple system that you can apply to any genre. It's, it's supposed to be for your GM to make any story that he wants out of it. But there's also a couple of other RPGs that Steve Jackson talks about that he made, so I'll leave that to him. <laughs> And we also had Call of Cthulhu is another popular one. If you haven't heard of D&D, you probably heard of Pathfinder. That's the second largest RPG, which funny enough was made because people didn't like the fourth edition of D&D. Yeah, we found that out when we were at the local game store, actually. Pathfinder is a lot like the third edition. Yes, so people in the 80s... You, you know, all the, the stereotypes of the nerd in the basement. of That was when the 3.5 and 3 was released. It is the addition. Most people that are from the 80s or older than me, <laughs> that is the addition. 3.5, I think, was in the 90s. But that is the addition that is most well-known. Like, Stranger Things, they're playing 3. 3. <laughs> they're playing 3. When 4 happened, the issue with 4 is video games are starting to become very popular. And... They tried to design it around video games, and people did not like that. So there was a group of people who were just like, I'm going to recreate what I thought Think 4 should have been. And they named it Pathfinder. Almost like a fan fiction of what you wanted it to be. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, I mean, it is when you... So I, d- I know too much about that. Don't ask me. <laughs> well, I guess we have an episode to oh, go against yes. fan fictions. It'll be great. All right, guys. We are going to move on to our phone interview with Steve Jackson. All right. I'm here with award-winning game designer Steve Jackson of Steve Jackson Games. Steve Jackson is the designer of hit games like Munchkin and Car Wars, which, by the way, congratulations, it blew its Kickstarter goal out of the water in its 6th edition, which will be coming uh, this Kickstarter ends in about 19 days, I think, and much more. Uh, Steve, me and my roommates have been playing the heck out of Munchkin lately and having a blast, and we're super excited to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and some of the other games and RPGs you've worked on that may not have been mentioned? Well, I've been doing this for about 40 years. Uh, I 
went to law school and left after two and a half semesters because I could tell I didn't want to be a lawyer and that last semester would have just been a waste. <laughs> I went straight from there to working with metagaming, doing game development and design. After a few years of that, I started my own company and did stuff. Did you make games with metagames? Yes. Uh, that's where Ogre was first released. Oh, okay. That's really cool. Um, well, being that you've been playing and making RPGs since almost the beginning of RPGs in the 70s, uh, to you as a game designer, uh, what makes a great tabletop RPG? Being our episode today is about tabletop RPGs. Having a great game master. Having a great game master. That's all yeah. it takes. Uh, Every, everything else. I mean, everything in the box hardly matters if it's a great game master. That's all it takes. What what entails for our listeners who maybe aren't, because this is for the people who maybe aren't uh, familiar with tabletop RPGs and maybe want to get into it, what makes a game master or a dungeon master great? Well, they have to either know the rules back and forth or be able to wing it at a moment's notice. Uh, preferably without anybody knowing they're winging it. <laughs> the winging it also applies to where, knowing the rules back and forth, they know this rule is dumb, and it would uh, slow down the game or take it in a weird direction if uh, if whatever it was was followed. Right, right. And you, you make a good point. Uh, tabletop RPGs can be a lot about rules, and Rules, if anyone's played a tabletop RPG, we all know that the rule book, <laughs> there's a, there could be a lot of rules. It could be very daunting. What can, what can a person or a group, a player group, do to kind of help this, uh, this huge wall of text that could be a tabletop RPG rule book? Well, just help the GM to do his job. Some of that is going to be following Wheaton's Law which is very much like don't be a jerk. I don't know what your rating is on this show, but uh, but but Wheaton's law is very very much like don't be a jerk. I would I would say it's PG-13, so Okay. <laughs> um at you are, you've been doing this for a long time. I mean, I looked at your award page on the stevejacksongames.com and it is ridiculously long. I wanted to count it, but I, I kind of gave up after the 90s. <laughs> As a game designer, where do your games draw inspiration from? Every place. Um, just just anything I, anything I see or read might find its way into a game, not just an RPG, but any game. Right, right. It's a constant process of learning and then giving it back in a different order. Do you have a favorite media you like to draw inspiration from? Is it reading movies, video games? Do you play any video games? Uh, I don't play many video games. Uh, when I do get into one, I tend to play it to death. Oh. But reading uh, reading is it for me. The reading. Uh, yeah. Have you ever read um, Ender's Game? That's one of my favorite books. For oh, sure. yes. I love that series. Well, we all know... Uh, well, speaking of Ender's Game and maybe Lord of the Rings, let's get a little bit controversial. Are you a sci-fi fanatic or a fantasy fanatic? Yes. 
Yes, I love that answer right there. That's that's the the mark of a a true, I would say, nerd. I I, I love the term nerd. It's I find it to be a compliment. Oh yes, the culture <laughs> war is over and the nerds won. <laughs> it's very true. We stand on top, almost like someone at level ten in Munchkin. <laughs> now uh, we all know you can be a bit biased in this next question since you design RPGs. But if an audience member, one of our listeners, is looking to play their first RPG, which one would you suggest as a beginner-friendly one to keep them coming back and maybe exploring past that? Well, if they know somebody who's already GMing a game, right. that's, that's a step up, and they can ask them for advice. Right, right. If there's a particular theme that they're into, like sci-fi or fantasy or Old West or cyberpunk or Little Furry Bunnies, <laughs> not, not joking, uh, or, or whatever, right. then your friendly local game store can give you some good advice. And, uh, of course, you can look up titles online and the Internet will tell the truth and then lie. Uh, <laughs> Which is why, if you've got a local game store, using that resource is is a very good idea. Now, to name a couple of specific names for different reasons, mm. one of my own, The Fantasy Trip, is a very easy game. It's an old-style dungeon crawl, so it may not be easy to stay alive, but it's easy to learn and play. Right, and I think uh, just being a RPG player myself, I know that the aspect of being able to know that it's okay to lose a character <laughs> can be hard. It's for okay people. to lose a character in TFT. It's easy to make up another one, so you just uh, go around again. The other one that I absolutely have to mention for beginners is the most popular fantasy RPG, and that's D and D, currently in its fifth edition. That has by far the biggest player base. So that'll be the one that, everything else being equal, it's easiest to find a game of. And then, then to be blunt, easiest to find another game of if you don't like the group or don't like the, uh, <laughs> the way the GM runs it. That, that's a very good point. I want to go back to something we were talking about earlier. The importance of local game stores to D and D RPGs. Uh, sorry, I we play D and D in my game group, so I tend to sometimes accidentally equivalent them. <laughs> um, uh, can you tell the audience the importance of game stores being that you probably play at a local game store, but you also sell to them, and how they are important to the community and for our geeky hobbies. They're important because it's the way to get face-to-face -face with other gamers and uh, learn from them, get the word on what's, uh, what's a great new game and also what's a waste of 80 bucks. <laughs> uh, and you've got the expertise of the store owners and hopefully their employees as well. And all that is very, very valuable, and it will go away if the stores go out of business. So that's a reason to shop there instead of always going to the Internet. That, that's right, everybody. Support your local game stores. They're, they're the reason we're able to gather and play these fun games, be it your TCGs or your RPGs or your miniature games like Warhammer 40K. Um, 
I know that you probably are being a game designer, a huge fan of games. Uh, we can kind of stray away from RPGs here for a second. What is your favorite game to play in your free time? Oh, that's pretty much like asking, you know, which is my favorite child. <laughs> but uh, the one, let me just talk about right now. Right now, I would really like to get into another game or another three or four games of Terraforming Mars because I have discovered it, I've really enjoyed it, and I haven't played it to death yet. <laughs> That's got a lot of uh, got a lot of value still in it. It looks like it would have tremendous replay value. Well, we are really thankful for you coming on to the podcast today. Is there anything that you want to talk about for Steve Jackson Games that's coming up that you would like to plug? And oh, oh yeah, <laughs> I want to run run full circle. You mentioned the Car Wars Kickstarter, right? And uh, again, congratulations on that. You, you totally well, blew that out of the water, and you still have it, time left. It's not far enough out of the water yet. Uh, I would like to blow it up some more. So if the idea of a car combat game where you strap weapons on the car and then go out and shoot <laughs> up the other guys, if that sounds like fun, you will like this game. Uh, it's, on, it's on Kickstarter right now, and it's a lot cheaper on Kickstarter than it will be in the stores. Right. Uh, for people who might be interested in that, can you tell us uh, maybe a little bit, maybe they, uh, would you suggest a certain Car Wars edition for them to maybe get a taste and then... After that, they can go on to the Kickstarter and. No, I wouldn't, because we really designed, we really redesigned the game for this ah. edition. And uh, what I would suggest, if you want a taste of it, is get onto our YouTube channel or follow the links in the Kickstarter update and see some of the videos that we've been doing that actually show this version of the game being played. Awesome. And piggybacking off that, uh, where can the listeners find you all, all online, your your social media and your videos? Uh, the website is www.sjgames.com and things which get put in automatically for me so I don't have them memorized, <laughs> of course. And we'll have all these in the description of the podcast below. So make sure to check that out. Okay. Well, Twitter, of course, is hashmark SJGames. YouTube, we're Steve Jackson Games. Instagram, we're Steve Jackson Games, all run together. Steve Jackson Games, all run together. <laughs> and on Kickstarter, we are Steve Jackson Games. If you want to find the Car Wars thing, the good search for that is just Car Wars Kickstarter. Awesome. Well, thank That'll you. That'll bring it up. Awesome. Make sure to go on to Kickstarter and search up Car Wars Kickstarter. Thank you so much for coming on to the pad, uh, podcast. Thank you for having me, and good luck. I, I understand this is a new podcast. Uh, much success to you. <laughs> it's our debut episode, so we're really excited to wow. have you for it. Okay. Well, first of many, I hope. I hope to, so, too. Have a good day. Take care. Bye. Bye. What an oh, awesome guest. He was. He was really funny, and he seemed to have a lot of fun with the interview. I, I was so nervous. And I know, I know in the back of my mind, he's just another, another guy. He's just a nerdy person who makes games for a living, gets to do his passion. But 
I, I love his games. Like, they're all... Of course. I mean, it's it's like meeting your favorite star from a movie or your favorite character or something like that. It's it's incredible. And he had the mind to make all of those things. So I do want to expand a little bit about uh, the Car Wars thing because he was so gracious to come on to our episode for yes. our debut episode. It has, at the time of recording, about 18 days left, but you can find it at Car Wars 6th Edition or just look at Car Wars on Kickstarter. They are trying to achieve all their stretch goals and they're almost there they they're at like they just finished the 512 512 thousand dollar stretch goal and if i think if he gets twenty thousand more they unlock all the stretch goals and there's it more cars more mats and stuff like that but uh we will leave that in the description of wherever you're listening i don't know if it's below or above or right next to the title but <laughs> make sure to check that out we we really thank steve jackson for coming on the show yes. i really want to expand on this it the rules are ridiculous in rpgs they're like we have in front of us a stack of books and they all yeah, look and that's cool. just a few of them but here's the thing he made a really good point if you have a good dm if you have a good game master, a good GM, it, you don't have to know a single rule. You really don't. That's I, I wrote it in my notes. As a new player, you you really don't have to read that much of the books. You don't have to know too much of the quests that you're hap- going on. It's really about how good you find of a GM and a DM to really guide you through it. And also not being afraid to ask questions when that's you're confused <laughs> that that's really important being able to ask questions is probably one of the most important parts but when it comes down to it you don't have to know the rules the knowing the rules helps you in the future if something comes up and you're just like well why can't i do that they can explain it to you but then you can know your limitations after that but if you're new and you just want to get into it find someone who knows what they're doing or your local game store will have weekly events of d of a of G of GMs being there and doing uh, little stories that you can just join in and join out. I think for D and D, it's called the Adventures League. There's a Pathfinder version, or if they're doing something kind of unique like Cyberpunk Cowboys in Space, <laughs> join in on that. Like enjoy it. But we're gonna move on to the notes section. We have in front of us my collection of D and D books, which compared to most people's. They couldn't bring it here. I, I just have a couple of my books. I'm missing a book, which I'm very mad I didn't bring, which was the Monster Manual, which is a kind of a collection of different monsters that are in the game. They have their stats and how strong they are. All stats, if you don't know what an RPG is, all stats are is just strength, how smart they are. It's just kind of the description of their being, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's... Colleen, tell us a little bit about your impressions on what we have. Tell us what we have in front of us. Books and dice and uh, different sets of quest books and rule books, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. He asked me to explain and I'm I'm slightly unfamiliar with all of the different books because I am new. But they are truly incredible to look at, first off. Their art art is fantastic. Amazing. I know... Uh, we've we've looked at a couple different ones and I have to say I envy the talent of some of the uh, these artists because they are incredible truly it, something that I couldn't think of would would come out 
Right. It's it's cool, and they get to explore things like uh, I have a pre-ordered version of Descent into Avarice, which kind of has a cool-looking, uh, evil-looking Avarice. Some skulls, <laughs> skulls, and red, and oh, it's so cool. Avarice is a kind of a version of hell in the D and D universe. So Descent into Avarice, you have to go. I think the story is, I won't spoil it, but the story is you have to, you, you and your party have to go in and find someone in hell and bring them back. And, and party just means uh, the group of players. The group of players. So that you, you play with. So uh, it can be two people, it can be three people, it can be ten people, which would be insane. And you generally have, uh, like, fighters and healers and... Right, and the classes are kind of details that uh, if you want to do a specific thing... Yes. You can do that thing. If you want to be a specific thing, that would be your race. And that's all... That would be character building. Yeah, and that's all important. And But just looking at the physical stuff right now, I have some of my uh, little miniatures, which I have sadly not painted. If you're into painting, <laughs> this can be something that you do, collecting these miniatures and painting them. But cool thing is I actually got some of these from board games. Really? D&D board games. And I took the pieces out and I used them for my... Uh, campaigns that that's amazing uh i i think they are truly awesome they're very detailed right down to the facial features there can be really small ones there can be really big ones but i think they're made to be the size they are in the game yeah so that's it's all proportional so we have a couple of like regular human looking guys and then we have a big bony dragon the bony dragon is huge and it it's just like I said before, it's none of this is necessary. It's just to help immersion. Yes. So let's let's look at the books. I have a couple of rule books, and then I have a couple of quest books. So the difference is rule books, your general rule book, your player's manual or player's handbook, it helps you build your character, it helps you understand how this specific game is played. But you can have later on expansions on the rules, which they don't change the rules. They don't retcon anything. They they add new new mechanics, which can be anything from like, here's how you climb a wall to this is how you play this character or adding new classes. So if you want to be a psychic, that was added to Xanther's Guide to Everything, which is the book I have right here. And these expansions just kind of, they're just additive. But like I said before, if you have a player's handbook or you have the basic rules, you can play. There, yes. There, there is nothing that stops you. But I think my favorite is the dice. Let's open this up. So my Descent into Avarice dice. Uh, let's get back in the mic. And I want to get your impressions on on these. <laughs> so I have only really played one D&D campaign i would say because we had multiple sessions of it and i fell in love with the dice because of how cool they were there's a 20-sided die there's another 20-sided 20, die. <laughs> yeah, i was about to say this looks exactly there are two in his set they had two 20-sided die and some six-sided and it, it it's just amazing there are so many different colors and variations of them but they're all the same shape. And you can so. get anything you want. Like yes, you can get like mine is very. It looks like fire and brimstone on mine. Yeah, they're gold and this maroon type color. Yeah, like they're burnt almost. But uh, you can also get if you like bunny rabbits. There, you can get dice that are actually like they're clear and they'll have stuff inside of them. <laughs> it's it. 
there's also dice collection in the the RPG world as well. Right, collecting your favorite dice. But the sky's the limit. Like whatever your imagination can come up with is what you can do with this this hobby. And it's a very interesting hobby. It's got a very dedicated it's fan very base. It's very broad and flexible in what you can do with it. And you don't have to be a nerd for dragons. You can be someone who really likes Naruto or really likes Fuzzy Bunnies. You're still a nerd if you like Naruto. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I am. I only put that in there because my roommate likes Naruto. <laughs> so you'll probably listen to this. Yes. <laughs> the thing that can be scary for people, I think the jargon. Uh, definitely. Definitely. That can be a kind of a roadblock. And you don't have to use the dragon. The, the jargon is just to th- make things easier, and as you play, you'll you'll learn it. Like, and the thing is, this is the what makes this hobby fun is it's you play it with people. Yes, y- you play it with other people. It's it's not alone in a room, and it's what what makes it, in my opinion, why I love tabletop RPGs is the is the stories and the memories you make with the people around you. You'll make if you get into this and you really enjoy it. You're gonna make friendships that are gonna last a long time around this. It's it, you're gonna you're gonna become friends with these people, and they're going to. It's gonna be an amazing time. I yes, think. I think so too. It's gonna be magical, or <laughs> or space like, or, or space like, <laughs> or or the depths of hell. <laughs> like it's in my it's book. insane. How um, uh, we also have some additions that we kind of want to look at. I. Also have another campaign I play where I am the DM. I am a dungeon master. I am a god in a universe. <laughs> there goes my ego. Wow. <laughs> I, I just saw his head grow two sizes. <laughs> and uh, the, you can... What I did to help my, my players get involved is... Okay. I want to clear something up. There's uh, There was in the 80s and 90s, there was a big push to not to get D&D out of people's houses because they thought it was demonic or Oh, um, really? Yeah, so in the 80s and 90s and some people even believe today that it's like a cult. Sounds like Harry Potter, I guess. <laughs> or they use actual witchcraft or stuff. And I'm about to say something. It's not actual tarot card reading, okay? Oh, it yeah. is supposed to emulate it because in Curse of Strahd, the character who starts you off in this story is a gypsy. But you're not actually getting, like, your future read or anything like that. All it's doing is it's a very interesting way to lay out where characters are and where items are in the world. That's so really no cool. no uh, two playthroughs of Chris Strata are the same. Oh, that's amazing. Because there, there, there was a... Some of them will... Some of the cards pertain to characters. Mm-hmm. And how it works is some of the characters won't go with you or be your friend or even be your enemy depending on what you get okay so and then uh the items will be in different places and they all are told to you in a riddle and it's it's very interesting if you like if you like riddles if you like solving puzzles i think D is very good for you if you like a uh, kind of combat stuff D that and that's the reason why it's kind of i would say D is all rounder it's mm-hmm. not amazing at one thing it's really good at all things right you can look up online i think reddit has literally millions of comments that you can read through uh if you're looking for like a specific thing like you want to get into the combat where you're rolling dice and it's all statistics and you're like math or if you just want to be very creative there's there is literally any rpg for you but if you're starting out 
Uh, like Steve Jackson said, I think D&D. Finding a good DM, for one. Yes. So if you know a good DM and they're playing something else, just go with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if you can't... Just jump in. Yeah. It'll be fun. If you can't find that, go to your local game store, join a D&D campaign. Yes. See, we really want to push you to enjoy this. So you have any other notes on the on these before we move on to uh, the costs? Well, I, I really just wanted to get across that asking questions is the biggest thing for a new person. And right. there are some general vocabulary terms like game master or dungeon master or um, the name of the game or even the fact that we mentioned parties earlier that you kind of have to know first, like ask those questions like, what did you mean by saying that? And, and then you can move on to getting into the game. You don't have to know all the rules. You don't have to own all of the books. You don't have to read them. Just find someone you can are comfortable with asking questions to. That's a very good point. So now we're going to move into our segment where we talk about where can you do this? Is it all in person? Can it be online? Are there online communities for this? For that, yes. Yes, everything's online. <laughs> uh, everything is online, but... Here, here's my cool thing. I didn't put this down on our, our notes, but I know of this personally. Like, uh, you can go on Facebook, and there is Find a Group Facebook. Like, okay. So yeah. if you are in, uh, let's say, Dallas-Fort Worth, San Antonio, New York City, L.A., Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota. Oh, yeah, you He's betcha. He's from Minnesota. <laughs> oh, and I lived in Fargo, North Dakota, which makes it worse. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you can find groups just by going on Facebook and literally searching Find RPG Group. And there will be 10 groups that will be available. Of course, this depends on if you're a rural area. But to be honest, I think there's a LGS in each rule, And we'll get into that. Uh so the first thing we have down here is your local game store. Which is LGS, what which, he just mentioned. Which is LGS. It is, this is a store that sells board games, card games, and sub, sometimes even more, and it's in your local area. It's, I wrote down town, but sometimes people who are in smaller areas, they have to like kind of drive for right. it. This is the best way. Like This is the way to meet other people who kind of know what they're doing, to have experts there's a kind of this stigma that everyone who's there is like fat and smelly, <laughs> which is mean. By it the is, way, if you believe it's, it's that, mean. you're being mean. It's not <laughs> true. These are just regular people who are just doing what they love. And, you know, you, you mentioned Stranger Things earlier. Yes. Because of shows like that and a really big boom in like pulp culture and nerdy, nerdy things. So that everyone, everyone plays stuff like this. Yeah, even if they're not open about it or if they're afraid to talk about it, people play these things, and it's okay to play these things. It's okay to be a nerd. <laughs> like like uh, Steve said, the, the culture wars were won, and they're yes, standing on top. definitely. <laughs> Another thing I've learned, this is the best way to get deals in RPG materials because they have sales, and uh, a lot of the times they're competing with like things like Amazon, which they can't compete, but they can be like, I'll give you 10% off any online thing, mm-hmm. any online price, which is very important because, like, for books like these, like, if it's $45 online, get it for $40. You can save a couple of pennies. So Yes. It's easy to find your local game store just by searching local game store in Google, and 
the internet has made it really easy for you to find different networks of people. A lot of the times they may be known as card shops. Uh, if it says card shop, that's the same thing. It's, it's just a board game store. Again, same thing. You can find all those in the same place. Always be open about your skill level and genres of interest. Uh, if I'm The reason I put this in is if you're going in and you are like, okay, I'm a beginner, but I love My Little Pony. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, but let's say, you say, let's say you're that person. And you walk in and you, you say that. The, the nine, I've, I know not nine times out of ten, but a lot of the times you're going to find that other people have that interest in the game store was just looking to gather enough people. Yes. And you might be the, the straw that breaks the camel's back that gets that group together. Yes. So always be open about that. Um, and they will help you. If you don't know, they will help you find something you like. They're, they're, they want more people in the, the community because it makes it more fun for everybody. Yes. I mean, online, online groups like Facebook groups and everything are amazing. But having that face-to-face communication is very good, and it starts you off in a good set for these kind of games because it is all about communicating with your GM and other players to complete a task. Resistance is futile. You will be assimilated. <laughs> That's a Star Trek quote for anyone who's wondering. All right, uh, we're going to move on. Uh, if you are in a bigger city, you obviously, like Austin, oh my gosh. If you live in Austin, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you live in Austin, Texas, or New York City, or L.A., I am sorry because, gosh, the the traffic is awful. Uh, yeah. But um, the place that if you're in a bigger city or live in a metroplex, they're going to have conventions. Big conventions. And, of course, you can always travel to conventions as well. People do. All over the world, it's crazy the like lengths people will go for conventions. Yes, but that's and that's also a good way to if you have a party that you already play with at home, you can carpool and stuff to big conventions and then meet more people. I think conventions are really good if you want to again if you're looking to find more material, more uh, you know, of like seriously, this is where they flock the nerds flock to. If you're <laughs> looking for that that starting group and you're interested and. They're broad. They're not just like RPG conventions. They're they're game conventions generally. Like uh, PAX is known as a video game convention, but it also has board games and RPGs there. Mm-hmm. So if it says game and not just like video game, but it says game, it will have all types of games there. Yes. So it's very broad. And if you are interested in learning more about that, or you like video games and you go to these and you've always saw like the people playing RPGs in the corner or over by somewhere else go go to them go to the can, go to the panels that are people are releasing new content i i put down conventions cuz it's where new content is released it's where the the newest thing is going to be announced and you know what another thing is you get free stuff that that is another reason why goodie bags Oh, every time Lance comes, our boss, Lance McFarlane, yes, he comes back with a backpack full of stuff. Just stuff that you get that the vendors hand out and it's promos for new games or cool pens or all, anything like that. And it will, you bring that back and you'll be cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you want to be on trend in the nerdy world, but this we, is where you go. <laughs> 
moving forward, uh, we are in the 21st centuries. Computers own our lives. Yes. Which means there are tons of online tools. You have best friends on your choose your Discord or TeamSpeak, your online talking tool, mm -hmm. and you guys want to play RPGs, but you're not next to each other. You can't do it in person. There are online tools, uh, specifically Roll20, uh, Fantasy Grounds, Astral Tabletop, D20 Pro. These are what are known as Virtual Tabletop or VTTs. Um, they are, you can play online, like, like a game. It's really cool. You kind of lose some, I feel like, some of the flair, but if you, it's cool. It's also cool but because you, you can do things online that you wouldn't be able to do uh, in person. Right. If you're unable to go to a local game store or you're just really good friends with someone across the country or across the world, then you can just play online. And because of that, they all have anything that you would want to do, like any systems or any rpgs that you know of it's compatible because it's online you know yes it, and they, they'll have the books and they'll be selling stuff i think online tools are pretty great too if you want to have more of a you're not a theater of the mind person yes. um they have special like it's dark outside or you're in a cave so they have like light like if you your character token won't be able to see more than like 10 feet ahead or something like that which is very interesting it's a very cool i think but stuff like that, like you, you, you have easier measuring tools because it's a computer. It does. It can roll dice for you. You don't need to own a lot of dice. So if you're looking for a nice, cheaper experience that's more, more like a video game, mm -hmm. I'd say check out the online stuff. I think you're a loser if you do. No, <laughs> that's mean. Hey. That's mean. Uh, but I, I use Roll Twenty all the time. Roll Twenty is my favorite one. I haven't looked at the other ones, but I did find these while I was searching originally for my own uh, play groups. So, uh, oh, also, if you're looking to buy online, of course, if you don't have something that's at your game store, uh, you can look on Amazon. Everything's on Amazon. Pretty much. Uh, the, the world is ruled by Amazon and Apple. And Disney. And Disney. <laughs> You'd be so surprised how much Disney owns. All right, let's move on to costs. You're worried. You're on a budget. We... Uh, if you're not on a budget, I envy you. Can I please come over to your house and play video games? Yes, please uh, <laughs> give me your money. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what is this going to cost me? You're worried about what this might cost me. And I'm going to be honest. If you really don't want to, it's going to cost you nothing. Yeah. If you really, I would say so. If you really don't want to pay. Except for time. Yep. Except for time. You're paying with your time. But even then, I would say it's not even that much time. No, just uh, once a week. At once every other week, you go for a session or a one shot, and you you really don't have to pay anything if you find a good GM or DM, mm -hmm. and they have all the books, or you have friends or people in your party that have all the books. Just share with them. But even if you're a group of people who are <laughs> don't know anything about it, you are listening with your friends right now. You can find. So much budget material online, but let's kind of go into you want to you want to like involve yourself with having books, having the physical things. Books generally sound around sell around forty dollars. It uh, depends on the book, but that's the average. The average is if you're gonna buy a book, it's gonna be thirty, forty, fifty dollars, like that range. And I'm gonna be honest, for forty dollars, they are very well built. Yes, they are good quality. They have amazing art. 
They're not flimsy. They're hardback. Um, they have great color in them. There's art on every page, and you you don't feel like you're going to break them at any point. Mm-mm. So it's it's a good value for $40, especially if you plan on playing for a long time. Miniatures, uh, if you want to use miniatures in your campaigns, they can be anywhere from $5 each to $40, or you can do what I did, and you can buy a D&D board game or a Pathfinder board game, which is just a board game that is themed in that RPG and they will come with miniatures and it's kind of like an easy way to get a, a bulk amount. Mm-hmm. But you can also buy like I've seen $15 like it's 120 like monsters or it's like you get 20 skeletons, 20 yes. like map packs. So these are interesting. I saw these at the LGS. I don't use them myself, but these are little books that are full of little maps that you can use in landscapes and yeah terrain type uh mats and it just you open them up and you can put the miniatures or say you're in this area and it gives it kind of more of a again all this is for immersion so right if you can immerse yourself completely in theater of the mind and your whole party can then uh, you don't have to spend any money on maps and uh and the figurines but if you do have a whiteboard you can also create your own little map as well i would say this is the most important part dice yes this if you if you are being if you're not paying for books or anything else this is the only thing that you have to buy mm-hmm. and i think to, just to get a set it's about 10 10 five dollars like yeah five dollars if you're just getting like plain dice but if you if you're kind of getting colored dice it can be anywhere from 10 to 20 dollars if you want the exciting dice yeah you want to get the exciting dice but (laughs) i would say your buy-in for this hobby is ten dollars but even then you if your friends are active in this they will have have a lot of dice (laughs) so much dice I, I play D&D, and I don't even have a half the amount of dice some people have. Mm-hmm. I don't even have a fraction of the amount of <laughs> dice. They will share with you. Because this is the... Here's the thing. When you're doing this, people want more people playing RPGs. Because they, they know the more people that play, it's easier to find groups. It's easier to expand. And it's just more fun for the everybody. So, dice... I would say get your own. It makes your life a little bit easier, but again, you don't have to. And then play mats, which are mats that are just, they have little hexagons that tell you like distance of different characters. Again, helps with like, I can only move 30 feet this turn. A lot of the times your uh, DM will have those things. Right, right. But if you are looking into being a DM once you've gotten into it, then you might have might to be get a good some idea. of that. Mm-hmm. Or use a whiteboard. Yes. Which is, yeah. Well, we mentioned which we'll we'll move into budgeting stuff. You can get so many PDFs online. Yes. So one of the big things is if you want to have a like a fantasy experience, but you don't want to pay for all the books of D and D, Pathfinder, the way that it was made is open source. Other than like their their copyrighted names and stories, you can get the entire playbook on their website for free. Mm-hmm. You can get a version of D and D's general play rules for free on. Uh, online. So, for example, D&D and GURPS provides the basic rules for free. You can find that on dnd.wizards.com and then www.sjgames.com slash GURPS. Uh, Pathfinder is particularly good for finding free PDFs. Like I said, they're open source. They just won't have the art in them, which I think is a drawback, but if you're not into the art and you're just in for the experience of playing, that's fine. You can find that at paizo.com. One of the recommended sites 
by a local store was some sort of uh, interesting archive, but... It, it's almost like a library online that they've set it up as. Here's the thing. When you go into, when you go into that sort of area, it's great. When you're buying, mm-hmm. when you're getting PDFs that for books that you're supposed to pay for, that's a great area. We do not endorse it, but it is there. Yes, it is it, there. It is there if you're really strapped. If you're really strapped, but we'll move on from that. You can make your own maps easily with the whiteboard. It's literally, I saw a type of someone rolled dice onto a whiteboard. And each dice counted like for a mountain or a lake, oh. and they they drew around the dice and okay. made it terrain easily. That's amazing. That's a good idea for building terrain. And LGSs will give you dice to use for sessions. They will give you uh, free materials if you play at their store. Mm-hmm. So, so play, support your LGS. Do that. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, play with a friend. You don't need a book. We we talked about that before. And if you go to a conventions. Companies are handing out free samples all of the time. Well, I think we've really covered everything that we can about this. I think so, too. I mean, of course, each uh, RPG has a world, multiple worlds of information and stories and characters. But in a general, I think a good one to start with is D&D. And just find a good group of people that you're really excited about playing with. And like with anything that we're going to cover in this show, um, we're not experts. If if anything we've said is incorrect, we're fallible people. And it is all these topics will be extremely deep most of the time. Yes. And I mean, we're just people. So we can't we can't we can't we can't make up for you guys as years of experience with our (laughs) couple of weeks of research. Yes. But we, we do our best and we will try to bring as many people to new hobbies all the time. Thank you so much for listening to Planetary Overload. Make sure to have a good day and a good week and go enjoy something new. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been a Tarleton Radio Network podcast with production from AJ Heyer and Taylor Welch. Find more great shows by searching Tarleton Radio Network wherever you get your podcasts.